Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. Day 4, number 149. Holy February moly. First. We're coming on a we're coming on a 150, dude. Yeah, I know. That means the next one that we do is 150. So we're recording the show. I'm currently at uh Lake Okeechobee. It is day one of the Bass Nation opens eq so we're kicking off in florida uh so hopefully hopefully i'm on a satchel of bass already since it's an hour later there so it's like 9 30 10 o'clock so by now if you're listening to this as soon as it drops i should be somewhere around a clump of reeds boat flipping sixes and sevens because that's how it always works right frank that's exactly how <laughs> That's exactly how it works. It goes. It always goes exactly how you think it's going to go. Have you ever had a tournament day in your life that you were jacked up for the Derby? You were, you had in your mind, cause you know, when you've had good practices, when you have expectations, you're like, this is how I picture it going in my head. You got a starting spot. You kind of have maybe somewhere you want to mill around. Have you ever in your life had a day where at 2 PM you go, Holy cow, this thing has gone exactly as planned. Like for real, exactly as planned? Yeah, for real, exactly as planned. Oh, yeah, 100%. So you have had those days. Yeah, well, yeah, I've had, I, I mean, there were there were glitches thrown in the mix. Okay, no, no, I'm talking about a glitch free, just you get off the water at the end of the day and you're like, I think I just fished the perfect day. Yeah, I'm going to say Red River. My first tournament ever on the Red River went exactly how it was supposed to go every single day really yeah it was every single day dude um the only the only thing that was different on each day believe it or not the bite got on an hour later every day which was so bizarre because normally you're on fish you go to the fish you catch the fish um I literally, the first morning I got to my place, I just immediately started whacking fish. And planned on it. Like you knew I got a spot that I plan on rolling up and whacking fish. 100%. Every bush had one in it. It was like. And you're manna. landing them. You get a Every bite. One. Come in the boat. Every one. execute. Really? Every one. So then the next day I go and I fish for about an hour and don't have a single bite in the boat. And I'm almost panicking that i gotta leave and then all of a sudden i start catching them and caught and landed every one of them called the whole the whole deal same weight that you expected same size everything everything and then and then the last day i go there um conditions changed water came down a little um things got a little funky on me and I didn't have a fish for two hours. And I said, we got to go because we're way the hell away from way in. We got to go. I got other stuff. And I said, well, before we go, I'm going to redo this one section of this backwater area. And I go and bang, 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 bang. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because I was like literally yeah. a millisecond from completely bailing on the place. And, but that um, first day was could not. I mean, that's. That was like a dream tournament day. It was. I, I knew the first, the first 
um, tree that I was going to flip in. I knew there was a bass in there and I flipped in there and caught it. And I went to the next one, flipped in there and caught it. And it was just like, doink, 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 like just like perfect. I love hearing those perfect. stories. But yeah, how, was, I mean, how many tournament days have you fished in your life? Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of tournament days. And you could think of one that went a hundred percent to script. <laughs> yeah, because right. Well, because here's the weird thing. Like, like I've had tournament days that went like Buffalo. When I won Buffalo, that was exactly like I thought it was going to be. Only I didn't know I was going to be in 10 to 12 foot waves Yeah, and it, and it made it ridiculously difficult. Yeah. So that added stress to it was a completely different element that right. in your mind, you weren't picturing heading into that tournament. Correct. I mean, it yeah. was, you know, that's something that I was, you know, truthfully not expecting and then didn't want anything to do with it, but I, but I was already committed, so I had no mm -hmm. choice, but uh, yeah, it's very, there's always changes legitimately. There's always changes, especially in multiple day tournaments. Um, what you do the first day is usually not exactly what you're doing on the third day, although it do does happen. Do you think the average angler going out, whether they're going out fun fishing or whether they are going out for a tournament doesn't realize how many adjustments even the top anglers like you're watching if you're watching the bass masters on fs1 and you're watching these guys whack them the average guy doesn't realize that 99 percent of the time you're gonna have to call some audibles you're gonna have to yeah. change something up to get the bite going and then you get frustrated in the first couple hours because you drove to the lake planning on doing something it's not working exactly like you thought or had planned or like it was the day before and then they get thrown into a tailspin instead of sitting down and making small adjustments? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, um, pr probably the biggest comeback I ever did in an event, it was a Bassmaster event. It was on Lake Erie of all places. And um, what I had going in practice was not even anything remotely close as to how I had to catch them in the tournament. And I went to the first day, um, I was catching them insanely shallow on the main main lake, mainland, and I went to those fish, and they were literally, they were literally gone. Um, I weighed in Vamoosed. the first. When I say gone, Matt, here's what I weighed in the first day of that event: ten and a half pounds. I weighed in ten and a half pounds. If you had Bama, then Bama probably should have been smart to like hide under a table or something when you got home. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so that hunted for days like that on Erie. Right. But that was day one. And so I said, I got to go and do something that completely different. So I just, uh, I told my non-boater, we're going to not, we're not stopping the boat till I find fish. And so I just went to where all those fish were and I started zigzagging back and forth working my way deeper and deeper and deeper. And then um, I found a couple of small glacier deposits and saw some fish on them. Um, dropped down on the first one and it was, you know, over four pounds. Anyway, the long and short of it is I wound up catching them the second day enough to make the cut on the third day. And then I, I wound up taking fourth in that event 
And and after the first day, I was in 86th place and came back to finish fourth. That was the biggest comeback. Dude, that was the biggest comeback I ever made in my life. And um, to be truthful with you, I had to come in two hours early because I was I had electrical issues and my live wells and my locators and all that stopped working. Um, I had to come in early. So I came in two hours early and, and fished in the bay until the weigh in. Um, but it was ludicrous. And I, and I never shut my motor off because if I did, the live wells wouldn't run. Um, it was ludicrous because I believe wholeheartedly I could have won the event because I, I could have called two more fish and I probably could have won the event. But my buddy Paul Horoski won it fair and square. And um, but that was. That was something that, like, after the first day, I was really gut hurt because I'm like, there is no flipping way on this lake that you're going to make up that kind of deficit. Yeah, that's the biggest comeback I've ever heard of in a Great Lake smallmouth tournament in my yeah, life. Right, because you know how it goes, dude. Everybody, yeah, you're, you're five pounds back, and you might as well be 15 pounds back, usually. Right, 100%, because everybody's whacking on them. But for mm-hmm. whatever happened, the weather events... Um, that occurred in that particular tournament, um, guys were struggling to catch them on the last two days where, where I figured it out and I was really catching them on the last two days. So it was, but it never, you know, the, the coolest thing about our sport and you know what, Frankie and I had this conversation the other day. In fact, um, I was talking about adjustment believe it or not. And, um, I told him, I, he goes, dad, are you going to pop in a couple of these things? I go, well, I said, I'm rusty, dude. I said, you know, my adjustment time isn't what it used to be. Um, because I'm not in that, I'm not on the water every single day. And so it, it, it takes me a, a minute longer to process. Um, when I was fishing all the time, I just never had to think about it. It just, I said, oh, there, I better do this or, oh, I better do that. And now, now I have to analyze what I'm doing again. I got I to gotta think about it, analyze it, and then go do it because, you're, you know, the recall isn't as rapid because of l- lack of it's not instinctual. It's not instinctual where you're making decisions without even thinking about it. It's kind of mechanical right. where you have to think about it to get back right. in the swing of things before exactly. the decisions kind of can become natural. Exactly. You know, it's not like you get in your car, you don't have to consciously think I better turn my turn signal on. You just hit it. You don't even think you're doing it anymore. But just- but if you do, if you go to Aruba for a couple of weeks and you don't have to drive and you're in a resort backing <laughs> out, you know what I mean? Like you ever got back and you're like, whoa, it's been a couple of weeks since I've driven here. Yeah, I mean, it's no kind of the same thing, right? It's no different. You know, we there's going to be a point in time. Well, it's 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 actually right now where where my boat's going to be parked for a month or two. And then Mm -hmm. when I get back in the boat, backing it up again, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how you do it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I mean, that's that's just how how it goes. That's an Um, interesting topic, because I don't think a lot of like I said, you dream you have in your vision where you're going to catch them, how it's going to go down, what it's going to be like. And, you know, you can, you can maybe remember one day and, you know, I fished almost 40 opens at this point. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm around 85, 84 days, 83 days, I think 83 days, uh, of opens. And I can remember one day where it went 
exactly as planned on day one. I was, I think I was seventh or eighth after day one of your, one of your favorite lakes, Lake Norman. But I went into that tournament and I was like, I think I can catch 13 pounds tomorrow. Uh, I've got a couple docks that have big ones on it. And if I can call up and get three, two pounders and catch a big one off of these two docks, that should give me around 13, which is really good. You know, I caught 20, 25 fish, never lost a single one, went to the dock that I plan on catching a big one on first cast three and a half pounder. Perfect. Had saved the second dock because it was over by takeoff and had like 11 and a half, like 10 and a half, 11 pounds with four twos and a three and a half, three and three quarter roll up, make one cast, catch another three and a half as time expires, call it out, roll in and go. I had two docks that I thought had big fish on it, caught a big one off each dock, called up to all my weight, caught up the exact in, in every rotation where I thought I would landed fish. I wasn't supposed to never got stressed out, caught a limit in the first 30 minutes, rolled in and was like, how did, how did everyone not have 12 and a half, 13 right. pounds that day and was in the top 10. And I mean, I was like, it was the smoothest, carefree, easiest day I have ever Ever. had on the water (laughs) and it's one day, one day. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? And you, and you know how it is too, when you're having those days, you, you're, you're, you think everybody's waylaying them. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? You think everyone is catching them. It's like, and and you're just going, gosh, I think I might've needed about four more extra pounds here. Yeah. And and then you come in and you're like, holy smokes, (laughs) you know? It's pretty cool. I mean, now I've had other days that have been exceptionally good and went as planned, but I'll have something unexpected happen during that day. Like, where did that five pounder come from? Hadn't seen a fish like that. Or you'll come in like at Hartwell when I had 16 and a half the first day, like that went as planned, but I dumped one over five, a spot. Right. Oh, so yeah. like that didn't go as planned. Like if, if that, and it was where I thought I'd catch a big one, but I thought I could have 18 that day. And that's big spot would have given me 18. So that, I mean, that was where you had the ability to spin out, but yeah, perfect days are very rare. They are even, you know, like, like even, like even fun fishing, um, even fun fishing, you're still making the adjustments. Um, you're not as intense on, you're not as intense, you know, fun Mm -hmm. fishing, but you're still making the adjustments so you can catch them. Um, like last year, or actually, I think I want to say the year before last, um, we were we were actually on an A rig bite from hell. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was just stupid, and and catching fish like it was it was ridiculous how many bass we caught a day in the middle you know of winter, mm-hmm. and it was so predictable and it and it lasted. And then I remember going back and I couldn't, I caught one bass on an A-rig and I didn't have live scope or forward facing sonar then. Um, So I I would 2D it, I would find where they're suspending, back off, and then I would have my gauge. And, And so what was happening was they, like, like, I mean, like nothing. And so, um, I saw the fish were 11, 12 feet deep and they wanted nothing to do with that A-rig, like nothing to do with it. Um, so 
I, I picked up my deeper suspending jerk baits. I, I backed way off the fish. I picked up the, actually it was the perfect 10 rogue is what I, what I was throwing. Um, I threw smaller deep diving jerk baits and the fish weren't reacting to it. Um, I went to the big, the big P10 and it was like a light switch went on and turned what was turning into a real crappy day. Um, turned it into one of the best days that I've had in a long time. And, um, and here it was that, it was that adjustment from saying, okay, they're not, they're not running the A-rig down. Mm -hmm. They're not eating the smaller stuff. And then the bell goes off in my head. All the shad I'm seeing are six to nine inch shad. I better get a big bait down to them that I can hang in front of their face. And so the P10 was the bait, dude. It was the right size. It had that slow, lazy. You know how the you know how them shad get real lazy in the winter when they swim. They're real lazy. The the perfect 10 has that slow, lazy action to it. And I wound up going to eight pound test line on it because I wanted it to move more when I would shake the rod tip i wanted the bait to pivot on its access more and i can get it i can get an extra foot or so out of it depth wise um and and there was no reason not to throw it on eight because the fish were literally over nothing so mm -hmm. there was not nothing like run into something yeah there's nothing that can get in the way of the fight back to the boat and so it just that turned out to be an adjustment that um turned out to be that and that pattern wound up lasting me until i couldn't launch a boat anymore you know till it froze solid um and and, and i wound up taking that to other lakes because other lakes had similar characteristics and i wound up catching them on every lake i went doing that um that that year and it was unbelievable and it was all predicated on shad and all predicated on the size of the shad you mentioned the perfect 10 rogue now if my memory serves me correct that was launched just prior to the 2017 16 or 17 classic uh on grand lake didn't they do a launch with that at jason christie and all that back in that's either 17 18 whichever one the second one was on grand we're going back to grand here yeah i'm you know, a month I, and a half for it but that i was kind of if i remember correctly the first time that that I had seen the perfect 10, which was kind of a remake, not a remake. It's a different bait. Can we go into the diff, like the difference yeah, between yeah. a regular rogue and a perfect 10? Because yeah. I know we've done a lot of jerk bait shows. Uh, we've done rogue shows and we've done perfect 10 shows, but I don't think we've ever really gone into, at least for me, like I've got three jerk bait boxes. I've got yeah, a rogue you. box exclusively but I've got like three perfect 10 sprinkled in and I'm not sure when to reach for that as to when to reach for like an original rogue. Okay. So here you got, you've got the original suspending rattling rogue, which is, I think it's four inches. Maybe I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I, I should have brought, I should have brought all my rogues up, up here. All I grabbed was a handful of. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. This Smithwick suspending rattling rogue. Right. The is the original four and a half inches okay so it's four and a half then you've got the original pro rogue 
which is the same body size as the perfect 10. It's the same length as the perfect. In fact, it's the same body. Okay. Um, so here's, here's what the, here's what I'm going to tell you why the perfect was born. Um, it was, it was born because we needed a bait that had that same lazy, slow action of the suspending Rattlin Rogue and the original Pro Rogue, but that would dive deeper. The reason they call it the perfect 10 is because it gets down to 10 feet. Ah. And you could you could fudge that. You can make it shallower by beefing up your line size or make it a run a little deeper by going thinner line size. Um so so that was why the perfect 10 was born and it was born because the bass guys needed a bait that would suspend deeper stay horizontal in the water column because i don't like them this way and i don't like them this way i like them this way because i do a lot of in my technique i do a lot of i shake the rod tip and so when you shake it what the bait does is it does this on its axis it, it rotates this way. Another word instead of feathering it, you're feathering it when you get R- it to depth. Right. When I get it down to, to the proper depth. So the first thing I'll do with, I'll cast it out and I'll do a long sweep of the rod. Now I won't pull it hard like that. Like, like in the springtime, smallmouth fishing, it looks like I'm having a seizure on the front mm-hmm. deck because I'm really aggressive with it. But in the wintertime, you know, late fall through the whole winter, even, even where we live ice out where you guys live, it would be super early spring. So I, I do a long sweep with the rod and I get it down to depth. And then once it's there, okay. Once it gets to where I want it to be my, I don't slap it. I don't go whack, whack, whack. I don't do that. I, what I do is I do a one to a two foot pull and I just do it real slow and so the bait goes and then it stops and then i i'll i'll shake the the rod tip i shake it which makes the bait and the bait quivers you know like this not like this (laughs) but like this okay and then i leave it sit there and while it's sitting there it's just gonna go you know what I mean? Because there's mm-hmm. there's still movement. And then I'll pull it another, you know, foot to two feet, just nice and slow. Because I, I, all I want this thing to do is just go, won't, 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 and then stop again. And then I'll shake it. It'll do that. So anyway, so that's how I fish the crazy thing. Are but, you letting um, the cat out of the bag with your demonstrations? Because those look like uh, perfect tens in the new FX colors. <laughs> They are. Oh, they are. But you know what? But here, but I, okay. So I forgot. I forgot. I, we're, the, the birth. You've gotten in trouble that. before for, for showing colors that are not supposed to be exposed. You've yeah, gotten, you've gotten, gotten calls on that in the past. So I wanted to make sure yeah, since no, this is a recording show that we don't have to stop the show and start over. No, we're good. So, 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 okay. So back to the, the history behind the perfect okay. 10. So they, so they called me up and they said, we need, we need colors for this new jerk bait, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, no problem. And this is going back years, years ago, years ago. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, no problem. So 
I painted some realistic patterns like this pattern called Lace Minnow, which I actually, it's actually modeled after a Dace, D-A-C-E. Um, they changed the name, right? They changed the name on it to Lace Minnow, which is, it's no, that bait's no longer, that color is no longer available. But anyhow, oh. so here's what happened. I made bass colors, okay? So I did a color for smallmouth and I called it Lemon Lime Crush which is still available today, but lemon lime crush. The walleye anglers got on it. And it became an overnight. Yeah, that's that's lemon lime crush with the orange belly. And then I had lemon lime crush with the white pearl belly, you know, the quintessential gut bag. Anyway, so here's what happens. The walleye guys get on this bait, trolling it on the Great Lakes. And it goes ballistic instantly overnight. And so they're like, we need walleye colors. So I come up with all these walleye colors. And that's Crackle Clown. That's a fabulous smallmouth color, Crackle Clown. Nope. Yep. So anyway, so it becomes this walleye sensation overnight, okay? And the problem was it never went to the bass community. It, it, it just never, it never um, registered in the bass community. So fast forward to today, that was, I called that Fruit Loops, but I don't think we could have used the name. But um. But anyway, so you fast forward to today, um, and I did those FX colors for the suspending Rattlin Rogue, which were specifically designed for bass. And you guys know about them because we covered them already. So it was specifically designed for bass. Well, I'm like, we got to put them in the perfect 10. <laughs> we have to put those colors in the perfect 10 because that's one of my go-to jerk baits. So I said, so they said, okay, we'll put it in the perfect 10. And, and lo, lo and behold, they're, they're out. All, all, the, all the FX colors that you guys saw in the, the four FX. Just do you have all four of them there? Just run through them real quick. Just uh, abbreviated version, because then I want to go back to another color that I've never seen, but I feel like should okay. be in the, in the tackle box. Okay. The, the, this is. Um, I call this one violet chartreuse. Actually, it was actually violet cream chartreuse, but we shortened the name to violet chartreuse. It's got a pearled, uh, creamy bone back, violet pearl on the sides, and then it's got a pearled chartreuse belly, but it's a real vibrant, subtle chartreuse. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the best sellers in the suspending rattling rogue right now. And then it's, it's twin is just violet cream with the white pearl belly on it yep. because sometimes they don't want chartreuse with the white pearl belly. And then I have uh, foil green. You guys know these colors cause we went over them. The foil green is unique and the foil blue um also it says on here they're oil blue yeah oil i mean oil okay. thanks oil blue and just... oil green um now here's the unique thing about this there there's other baits that have heat stamps on them yeah 
Um, that's not a secret. But what I did was I layered a couple different pearl colors underneath it and then pearled over top of it with other pearls. And so what this bait does, what all the effects baits do, um, they're chameleon-like based on water clarity. So, so, so what this bait, what this bait looks like in clear water, it looks entirely different in off-colored or dirty water. Um, the, the, the oil green is probably uh, the most because it looks supernatural out of, you know, it looks supernatural out of the package. Mm -hmm. When it goes in clear water, it, it looks alive and natural. The minute the water becomes off color, this bait almost turns bright white. So it's really wild how these, how the multiple layers of these pearls mm -hmm. are reflecting the light different in different conditions. So that's how the FX series was born. <laughs> Actually. I like it. So any um, like like your your paint jobs are like any good human being. Depth and layers. That's right, depth and layers. So so like 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 this particular one here um this is actually blue violet and it's a real it's a real shad imitator. But I used a pearl that changes color as the bait changes. It changes from violet to blue. Mhm. Mm it's hard to see on here. Now, are the guts of that perfect 10 similar to the guts of the Rattling Rogue? You can kind of see through that yes. one. You can see the yes. chambers inside. Is that is that the same? Because a perfect 10 looks and feels a little bit different than just a regular well, Pro Rogue. It, right. It, fe it feels different because yeah, don't it forget, it's diving deeper. So you've got more drag on the bill. So it feels different. And like okay. here, with the, with the suspending Rattling Rogue and the original pro rogue these the bills flex a little bit they're supposed okay? to right they're supposed to that's what gives it that you know it's it's not a it's not a do, 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 do action mm -hmm. it's real you know it does all kinds of things so so the thing that's different about the p10 is the only thing different about it is it dives deeper. It okay. it was really hard to make them all have that same. What Without they completely changing the action that makes it such a good cold water bait. Correct. So, so that's, so that, that was this, this right here was the design genius. I'll say mm -hmm. to, to figure out how this bill had to be shaped to make the bait, not change its action and gotcha. give it the depth you need. So it's really, it's really kind of a cool thing. Um, Why have we never seen that color before? That seems like it would be a killer. Because, because these are the walleye guys have literally taken this bait out of the hands of any bass fisherman that wants. So it's like hard to find that one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm on the site, but like, there's some ones in here that I would not have. That's the, that's the one there. But like, there's a couple in here that I would have zero problem throwing. Oh yeah. In fact, they would probably work pretty damn well because you know they haven't seen it, and it's the exact same bait just with the walleye color. It has Correct. it's it's. I mean, it's the exact that Correct. bait is the exact same as that one. Correct. And so and so you know so so going back to that, 
um, so so here's a trick with the original pro rogues. Okay, um, I used to do a lot of smallmouth fishing on Lake Erie with that pro rogue, um, and I would pull it so hard that bill would flex, and that rogue would never do the same thing twice. That was the whole key to that was that flex in the bill. So when I would you know, be up there going wham, wham, wham. That bill's flexing, the bait's doing all different stuff, and the smallmouth can't stand that. But you got to remember in the wintertime, that's not how they want it. In the wintertime, they just want that slow laziness that happens with these baits. And so that so that's really the main difference is the suspending rattling rogue, the original one, is a little bit of a shallower diver. The pro row gets a tiny bit deeper, not much really, but it offers you the large body style. And then, of course, the Perfect 10 gives you the big body style, but it gives you the depth. And so that's how that's really how this bay was born. So now with these new uh, FX colors, um, you know, we're, what we're hoping for is that um, the bass community latches on to this thing like the walleye guys did because originally it was literally designed for bass but once the walleye guys got a hold of it there was nothing we could do about what do they do it. troll those things yeah so he, so here's a neat here's a neat thing okay so the the suspending the p10 suspends it's a true suspending bait um and so what the walleye guys do in the cold months especially when they troll they'll do slow lazy s turns with their boat so they're trolling like a snake okay? okay well when they when they make the turn the inside baits stall they pause well this bait stays at the same depth it doesn't float back up it stays where it is where the outside baits speed up as the boat turns the outside baits pick up speed right mm -hmm. what they found is that on the inside turns when the bait stalls because it suspends at the right level of the, where the fish are the walleyes crush it especially in the cold months so it took off like gangbusters i mean it's just and and they got like all these unique trolling methods where they where they can pause these baits when they're trolling them and by the way they turn the boat and stuff and it's just they made a science out of trolling yeah. all right i got a question about this one that i don't think you've talked about it we're talking about the suspending super rogue which is a big bodied bait it's the that... same size as the p10 okay that's this one um it's out of stock on lure net right now but it actually says in the description uh, that it's a molded in lip that doesn't okay. flex. That's the super rogue. Yeah. I'm talking about the pro rogue. I know that, but then what's the different, what, when do that, you use the bait, super rogue? Okay. So that bait will have a, have a consistent action all the time. It's vibration okay. pattern will be the same all the time. So that bait there, you can fish it fast and do, 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 do. And it's going to give you a tighter, you know, a tighter action. Like most jerk baits today have um the bill barely flexes the bait runs exactly tight in the same way all the time where when you look at the suspending rattling rogue the original pro rogue and the perfect 10 um that bill design that gives you the you know laziness the inconsistency and in the action um that that really 
in my estimation, it really triggers bites. It just, it's just the P10 is one of my go-to yeah. baits. Um, but you see where I was saying, so I've got my, like I said, I've got my rogue yeah. box, but I've got, uh, I got P10s. I've got suspending super rogues, suspending rattling rogues, pro rogues. Right. I've got all those. And I, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, uh, when and why? And that, that's what kind of helps me differentiate what you just went through really helps differentiate. So you're talking about, you want depth and erratic, right? Depth and erratic. And you base the erratic on water temperature and activity of the fish. And how, right. And and it's based on how aggressively and how aggressive they are and how aggressively you're fishing the bait too. Okay. And then so you like, base the other lure on depth on where the fish are sitting. Right. So you you okay. went to the super rogue with the molded in bill, right? Yeah. That bait there, when the water warms up in the spring and you got a fish fast and crazy, um, that's a good bet because it can handle it. You know what I mean? It, it's 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 tighter, it's faster. Um so as the water warms, that's when you would go, okay, I better get off the pro rogue or the P10 because now I need a bait that I can fish like a maniac. And you know what I mean? So, so that's where, that's where all that stuff came into play. Okay. That helps a lot. I, yeah. I was genuinely curious about that. Well, well, the, the rogue, the rogue is misunderstood in today's, with today's anglers, um, the younger angler, hundred percent, it's considered I, the rogue is put in my mind, especially with the younger anglers, put in the same category as uh, a wiggle wart or a speed track or something that everybody has to have because all the guys that are good that they know that are older have a bunch of them but no one's exactly sure what to do with it now in the younger generation. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, here, look at the advent of jerk baits. Look at the mm -hmm. transformation they've taken. Um, there's great jerk baits on the market today. That's no lie. I mean, there's some phenomenal jerk baits on the market, but each jerk bait has specific uses. It's just like, remember when we did the crankbait show and I explained, you know, d divers, hard divers, swimmers, yep. Um, jerk baits are exactly the same way. Um, only it's more based on action and suspending characteristic. And so, so that's what you have with the, with the rogues. Um, in all honesty, the rogues are one of the first, um, suspending jerk baits designed for cold water bass. And this has been a millennium ago. Yep. I mean, this bait's been around for ever. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's really a cool thing. I have a buddy of mine um, that fishes the P10. The, the day they came out with them, um, and he fishes uh, Champlain, Oneida. He lives up that way. Um, and he swears that's the only one you need up there uh, forever. And, um, you know, I, I, I won't disagree with them and say it's how effective it is. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that lure, each lure is made for a, a reason. And so I like to know the reason. So I, I can't say 
if I had to pick one jerkbait, this is what it would be. Or if I had to pick one crankbait, that's what it would be. Um, because situations, you know, need different baits. Which is why they they offer so many different models right there. But it is, I mean, still in the Ozarks, there is, and it's it's in the next month and a half, specifically when the water's cold. You might have a little bit of a shad kill. You still have some good clarity in the water. A lot of the veteran anglers will say, oh, it's a rogue day. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, and, and, and these are guys who throw other jerk baits too. You know, there's there's other, you know, right. because to that, all sorts of different brands. But when it's rogue season and when they're on a rogue, you better it be will 100% outfish any other jerk bait on the market. And I think it's because of that first segment when we started talking about the jerk baits where you really went into the lazy and how you mm -hmm. fish it and the little what well, it just it does things that it's hard to do on a darter one that's designed to dart one that's designed to be erratic one that's designed to bomb right exactly and then, and then you got to realize too that some of the some jerk baits today are designed to have that tight really mm -hmm. tight tight wiggle and and roll to it and so it's super tight going through the water so it doesn't have that lazy roll right exactly i mean i mean the, the the thing that i heard a lot growing up was exactly that oh it's got the rogue roll to it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. um that's what they that's what you know but really what it is it's just a wide lazy action to it um which is really cool now, if you go back into the archives, we have done shows on uh, tuning oh, yeah. jerk baits. Uh, I don't know which number it is. You can Google it on uh, YouTube or, or look at the list to find uh, tuning of the jerk baits because that is that is critical when you're in the water. You don't want the thing coming up. You want to be able to get maximum depth out of it. So go back and listen to that show. Right. And I'll, I'll touch on it real briefly. Okay. So any th this is this has a nose line pool mm -hmm. okay now i throw i throw all of my jerk baits has a split ring on the nose and i use the norman speed clip on the split ring it it's free it moves real free there's no tension to it but because it's a nose uh, line pool Yep. When you put your pliers, and I didn't bring my pliers up, so That's I'm going to use scissors to demonstrate. When you do that, you want your pliers to be completely par It's hard to do with scissors. Because Watch your finger, Frank. Yeah, like yours. So you want your pliers to be perfectly parallel to the bait. On so that. you're not torquing the eye, and then you're screwing the bait up, not helping right. it. Because that you have to, you don't ever twist on any jerk bait that has a nose line tie, because they're sensitive, you, just they're like super just like sensitive, me. right? So, so you don't ever want to run the risk of twisting it. You always want it to, when you move it left or right. So, if the bait runs right, you move the line pull left. If the bait runs left, you move the line pull right. Mm -hmm. But when I say move it you can't feel that that thing moved if you feel that moved you just overtune the shit out of it and it's just going to go right up to the surface i mean yeah. it's just a bump 
like I can, like on a perfect 10 to be legitimate, I could tune it with my thumb. And I, and I do that on the water a lot. If, if I'm, if I'm catching a lot of fish and it gets a little bit out of joint and starts to run just a little bit off to the side, I'll just pick it up and then I'll just tune it with my thumb like that. And it'll go right back to normal. They're super, super sensitive to tuning, which is a good thing because they're easy to tune. Um, but they're as easy as they are to tune. It's as easy as they are to overtune them. But that's the beauty and why the bait is effective is because yeah. it is sensitive to that. If they were to make it to where it was like, hey, these all are are perfect regardless of what, then you lose the magic roll and the finesse swim in that bait. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here, look, and then here's the other mistake I see people do a lot. And, I, and I've got videos coming out on this tuning stuff but here's a big mistake people will put the lure in the water whether it's a crankbait a jerkbait whatever they just have five feet of line out they drop it over the side of the boat and they pull it and they see which way the bait's tracking and then they tune from there that's an inaccurate tune because you're not you're not pulling the bait the way the bait's designed to be pulled you you don't have the right pressure on the on the line tie okay mm -hmm. so what i'll do is i'll cast out 15 feet and i'll point the my rod tip straight at the bait and i reel it in moderately and I, and my rod tip is literally this far from the water surface and is pointed directly at the bait then i can see which way it's tracking on a on a normal retrieve then i tune it because if you tune it with just a little bit of line out and you pull it your angle of your line is like that so you're forcing the water over the bill at at an angle it's not supposed to be and so you get a false tune that way like guys will say i can't tune this bait oh i can't tune this crankbait i can't tune this jerkbait well yeah because you're not pulling it the way it's designed to be pulled so you're getting a false tune out of it Yes, you can tune it so with five feet of line out and ripping it across the side of the boat, it's tuned. But the minute you make the cast, it starts to drift on you. Um, that's because you didn't tune it properly. And so here, a perfectly tuned crankbait, jerkbait runs truer to depth, okay? It, it tracks the way it's supposed to track. And that's very important because think about this. If, if you pull, if you do your bait and you go, oh, it, it's just a little bit to the right. And then you, you bomb a cast out there and you, you're expecting this jerk bait to get down to 10 feet and you're working it back to the boat. It's never going to see 10 feet because instead of it going to depth, it's going to the side. So, so it's pulling line to the side, but it's not getting you to the depth you need to get to. And that's why it's so critical. Any jerk bait you throw has to be perfectly tuned for it to work right, no matter whose jerk bait it is. Can you tune your entire box of jerk baits or you just do them like in a pool or can you go to the lake and say, Hey, I'm dialing in my jerk baits today, not planning on catching fish. I'm just yeah. working on getting it, making sure everything in the box that I pull out mm -hmm. is running right. Or is that something you just do like w one at a time as you, as you pull one out and decide to fish with it, make that cast, put the rod tip down, reel it in, make a little adjustment and you're good to go then. Or like, is your entire box 
when you pull one out, regardless of what it is, do you know that it's tuned? It's tuned. It's tuned after I put hooks on it. Okay. If I got one, if if I got them with hooks on them, they're tuned because I've been fishing them. I don't put hooks on them in my box unless I fish them. And so then I know it's not a tuned bait, but you could totally pre-tune everything. I just don't like to store everything with hooks on them because especially jerk baits, then you go grab one and they all come out with it. Yeah, it's um, my problem with my rogue box. They're all packed in there so tight. God, right. it'll take me an hour to get, it takes an hour. But so the one thing I did do that does not work is I spent one winter where I probably spent 20 hours with lead strips and different hook sizes and different diameters of uh, split rings, but I made them suspend in my sink. <laughs> well, then you get to the damn lake where it's not tap water in a confined little area. doesn't and work. They, they either yeah. floated or they sank because something sure with density and yeah, so, all that stuff. And there wasn't a, it, I mean, it was a great idea, but it, you got to tune those suckers on a body of water or not right. tune, but wait and tune them on where Correct. you're going to fish them. Right. Because they'll, they'll suspend or sink based on water temperature and, and then, elevation and, and right. And elevation. And when the bait gets deeper, there's more pressure on the bait also. So, you know, I, I, I prefer, a I prefer my suspending jerk baits to have a tiny slow rise to them because then I don't run into sinking problems. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I'm not a fan of a jerk bait that sinks and I know there's some on the market and there's reasons for that. Um, and if you're fishing in, in for that application, then that's okay. But for the most part, I don't want my suspending jerk bait to sink. Um, for one, I, I feel the action is kind of deadened on it. I like to, I like to really feel the, what the bait's doing. Um, but you're a hundred percent right. I don't, I don't add lead strips, dots, or lead wire on anything unless I'm on the water and I'm like, this bait is rising too fast for me. I better put some lead on the front hook and or the middle hook. All right, this this bait's never talked about, Frank, it's and it never. gets it gets down to ten feet, according to this. Mm -hmm. Does the what's the deal with the deep suspending rattle and rope? I think I've only got like one or two of these. Yeah, that's a that was a really good good hidden secret for a long time in the bass community. Oh, so it it catches. Yeah, oh, it catches them. Yeah, uh, that that on that on Gunnersville used to be a thing. Um, the grass now is changing the way people are fishing jerk baits on Gunnersville, but, but that bait right there on Gunnersville used to be a real thing. And that's another bait that the walleye guys got onto. Now, does this have a completely different action to it? Because we talked about the nose line tie, yeah. which is typically here. Now the tie is moved all the way down to the bill. Yes. It's got to have a different role in action. Way different. It's more, it's more like um a crankbait action to it it has more of a okay. you know more like, like a crankbait swimming, action a swimming it. instead but, of a lazy roll right it's just it's it's a completely different bait um but it got man it was a it was a that that was really a good kept secret and then the rebel uh the the rebel fastback i think it was 
same same style of bait um jointed though it was jointed um that was another you know old school old world uh thing that we used to do way back in the day um so yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool stuff in this industry um a lot of things are starting to come around there's some some of the stuff's coming back to circle again and then of course with new technologies out like the advent of tungsten and 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 now of course our electronics but who could keep up with that i mean that's going a million miles an hour um you know it's 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 just really interesting it's hard to it's hard to stay on top of things all the time um because things are changing so rapidly uh you know what i mean and so um when you're do when you're design like like to me the fx colors is uh, it's a it's a it's taking what's available to the painters out there and applying them in such a fashion that it's changing it's it's changing how the baits look so mm -hmm. this is this is the new thing coming out in the paint world um right now and i'm very fortunate to have all the pearls pre-made pearls powdered pearls um pearls that change color blah 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 at my fingertips so i so the paint game i can kind of stay right in the mix with the paint game you know no pun intended <clears throat> i like it uh perfect 10 rogues in the fx series or colors yeah the perfect 10 rogue now available uh lurenet.com and we are probably uh yeah we're less than two weeks away from knowing our schedule at the Bassmaster Classic. If you're planning on being in Tulsa and attending that, uh, I would highly recommend it. Tulsa always shows out. It's a great arena. It's a great venue. Uh, the Expo's easy to get around. Frank uh, Frank, and I will be there for multiple days. Uh, I've got my own thing to do a little bit. Frank has his own thing to do, but there will be uh, times uh, over the weekend uh, and at the Expo where we will be in the same place at the same time. Uh, you have teased this a little bit, Frank, leading up to it, but there will be uh, some pretty substantial giveaways uh, at the Pradco, Pradco booth. Yeah. Maybe some uh, Color 7s, maybe some Signature Series merchandise. Uh, and then if, if you guys just want to hang out with Frank and hear a story or two, get a picture taken, have your baby's forehead signed. <laughs> That I don't only, know. That only happened at my first Bassmaster Classic, dude. Yeah, depending on what body part it is, Frank will sign it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> depending. I'll have my handy dandy Sharpay ready yep. to go. So uh just keep that keep that in mind if you're anywhere uh in the area or I mean you were at the at the uh last classic. Uh I've been to every classic since uh two thousand eight and it's cool to see how many how many people like say, "Hey, I'm from. We're from upstate New York. We're from right. Washington. We're from about, Canada. We're right. from Mexico. Like all over." And they make a weekend out of the classics. So, uh, if you guys have like okay, not like lodging questions, but just like general questions or anything, if you're thinking about attending the classic or anything, just shoot me a DM. Uh, just add Matt Pangrak on Instagram. That's that's what I check most regularly, uh, and it's worth the time. 
I mean, there's there's nothing like it, especially if you stay. There's nothing like that final day when they roll the top six and you know they've weighed everybody in and they bring in the super six and the lights are down and it makes the hair on your arm stand up. It's the it's pretty the wild, really cool time on the air. All right, next week, Frank dives into Bumblebee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're not laughing at the lure. We've done a bunch of the uh, pond and bank series stuff, which is uh, those are fantastic lures. Yeah. But somehow, when you said you mentioned something rebel, yeah, the, the the rebel fast track. It's it's not made anymore, so yeah, it's irrelevant. I I went like what I've been doing here is just scrolling through. I forgot how many different uh n- nature shapes that rebel makes in those little teeny baits in the micro hey, you know baits. you know what i got something here hold on a second what do you have i have the one of the oldest catalogs in the world let me see something here because now you got now my curiosity is peaked. oh dude i forgot how many like dude you, i am seven pages deep on rebel on LureNet.com. did you know that they made a chrome teeny yes. weeny crawfish like what is uh is that a trout bait yes it okay, is. that's the only thing that makes sense on that is a chrome finish, teeny weeny. I'm trying to. Here we go. I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay. I mean, I I, I don't know if the, it's going to be the rebel. In this, I I don't know if it's going to be in this catalog. Surely it is. Well, it this may not be old enough. Oh. Oh, it's going to break my heart. I actually have some of them in my basement. Uh, all painted the, and let it up. The chunky frog. <laughs> the chunky frog. Well, look at it. That's what it is. I know it's nice. Dude. <laughs> That's a very chunky frog. Oh, I'm so disappointed. It's not in here. For, Frank? I was looking for an old rebel jerk bait, but it's not in here. So it's oh, 100%. It's 100% irrelevant. At this stage of the game, <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. like I did not know that Rebel did all this stuff. Did you know that they make a micro crawl with a single hook on it? Yeah, I did. Wait till you see what they got coming out. I can't disclose that, but they got some other things coming out. What yeah. is this for? Is this another trout one? A little panfish deal? Yeah, a lot of the stream guys will fish that. Um, you know, the, the Rebel has a really big trout following. Um, which is pretty amazing to me, um, because I do a lot of trout fishing, but I'm usually fly fishing forward or I throw my mm-hmm. square bills on them, believe it or not. My fly fishing buddies hate when I do that, but, but I do. And then rebels got a really great Creek and bank and a really great trout lineup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, hell, guys, do I, this. Though? Can we still do? You, do we get? Have you ever fished the bumblebee lure? Be honest. Never. You need a box of those though, just to completely blow your partners or co-anglers' mind when you get into the boat. Say, hey, get under the seat there and pull out one of them bumblebees. Let's see. Don't say anything to anyone. Right. Exactly. Dude, with that cranking bluff out? banks with the bumblebee. Well, they were catching, they, they, you know, speaking about trout, they were catching um, brown trout on the White River on the uh, FX colors in the suspending Rattlin' Rogue. I remember that. They they I actually, 
they were actually um, one of the guys that in the company was actually out two weeks ago hammering on some good trout. Look at this one. <laughs> the, the rebel Helgramite. Look at that bad boy. I would imagine there's got to be a lot of rebel collectors out there just because of how cool some of their shapes are where they just have, you know, pristine new in the box, the, the cricket, the bee, the Helgramite, the craw, the frog. Right. Well, that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of where rebel went. I mean, back in the old days, we used to fish the deep. We are, um, and the deep tiny, we are all the time for bass. And then those little creature style baits um, for, you know, ponds, rivers, and streams started taking off like mad. And so, so Rebel kind of has this whole division right down that alley, which is pretty unique. And you know why we're going to do a show on the Bumblebee? You thought I was just clowning on it because in 2024, billions of cicadas will emerge in the United States in a double brood event, the 13 and the 17-year cicadas for the first time since the early, early 1800s across a lot of the United States, the 17 and the 13 simultaneously emerged this year. Yeah, this, so this spring. have you ever fished during a major uh, cicada? 100%, event? I remember it. I was like 13 years old. We had a canoe. Uh, that's all we had. And my dad would drive me around uh, Clinton Lake and Shelbyville and Lake Decatur. And I would have a jar of cicadas and a gold Aberdeen hook. And we would just go up next to the trees. I would flick it and it would be bass, crappie, flathead, channels, blues, yep. white bass, carp, big time carp. Like you get a cicada around a carp and it's a done deal. But anything that swims for about a month period will just was gorged on yeah. cicadas now i will say <clears throat> i was not a fan of the taste of some of the game fish like a like a channel cat that's been eating cicadas for a month this a little <laughs> it wasn't a little sour it wasn't almondy <laughs> it was not it was not almondy it had that kind of <clears throat> i think we've all try to bug at some point in our life it had that kind of bug acidity to it but anyway Perfect. we digress i'm sure we will have cicada shows as it goes on and uh but i predict a big year for rebel because of this okay i'm serious We're, they've got all the baits that look just like a cicada on the surface they do 100 percent. So. they do all right you got anything else no man just i'm just excited finally um the P10s are out. Now I don't have to keep painting the ones I want to fish. <laughs> I could actually I like get them. All right. This has been another edition of Day 4 with the man, Frank Scalish. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule. Same place, same time next week. Live. All right. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. We'll see everybody then. See ya. <laughs>